0: You described the president as erratic, foolish, behaved irrationally, bizarrely, you can't leave him alone for a minute, and was stunningly
1: uninformed. Yes, yes I do. Oh, you were talking to John Bolton. My apologies. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling there's something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And i wonder how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle From with From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon, on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids on WPRR, New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. In Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. And yes, we stream coast-to-coast and around the globe for you every day for your listening convenience. On the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet-based. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today on yet another day where the incoming news is like... A shotgun blast to the face.
0: (laughs) Ouch, that's terrible.
1: Well, that may sound dramatic, Desi Doyen, or graphic, or even in poor taste. However, I am just quoting the President of the United States.
0: Yes, I know. And
1: his uh, Twitter feed today following another ruling that he did not like at the U.S. Supreme Court. So I'm sure it's just fine for me to use that kind of language. In fact, the Supreme Court ruled Thursday that the Trump administration cannot carry out its plan to shut down the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or DACA program, which has allowed nearly 800,000 young people known as DREAMers to avoid deportation and remain in the U.S. The so-called DREAMers are those who came here as children through no fault of their own, uh, along with their immigrant parents. It was the second surprise ruling from the Republicans' stolen U.S. Supreme Court within the week following a 6-3 ruling written by Trump appointee Justice Neil Gorsuch finding that the 1964 Civil Rights Act bans job discrimination against the LGBTQ community. In Thursday's DACA opinion, Chief Justice John Roberts was the swing vote in a 5-4 decision, which deals a huge legal defeat to Donald Trump on the issue of immigration, which, of course, has been a major focus of his domestic agenda. Roberts wrote in the decision that the government failed to give an adequate justification for ending the federal DACA program, which was begun by President Obama, The Trump administration, according to Roberts, uh, could just try again to shut it down, but they would have to offer a more detailed explanation for doing so before taking that action. Simply declaring DACA to be unconstitutional or unlawful, Roberts explained, for the majority was not a lawful justification on its own for ending it. Roberts was joined in the majority by the four Democratic-appointed justices, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor. We conclude that the acting secretary did violate the Administrative Procedure Act and that the decision to rescind DACA, quote, must be vacated, said Roberts. In his decision, Roberts called the Trump administration's total rescission of DACA arbitrary and capricious. Critically, however, Roberts pointed out in his decision that it wasn't necessarily unconstitutional for the Trump administration to terminate DACA, but the way that they did so was the appropriate recourse is therefore to remand to the Department of Homeland Security so that it may reconsider the problem anew, Roberts wrote. The other Republican-appointed justices, Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, Neil Gorsuch, and Brett Kavanaugh, charged that the majority ruling simply punted the issue back to the administration. In response to the DACA decision on Thursday and the LGBTQ decision on Monday, both made possible by Republican appointees to the court, The president of the United States tweeted, quote, These horrible and politically charged decisions coming out of the Supreme Court are shotgun blasts into the face of people that are proud to call themselves Republicans or conservatives. We need more justices or we will lose our Second Amendment and everything else. Vote Trump 2020. Of course, uh, neither of the two cases that failed to go Trump's way this week had anything to do with the Second Amendment. Joining us now is someone we have spoken to several times over the years as the Trump administration has tried to undermine U.S. immigration policy in varying ways. Sarah Pierce is an immigration attorney and policy analyst for the U.S. Immigration Policy Program at the Migration Policy Institute, a nonpartisan independent think tank dedicated to analysis of U.S. and global immigration. Sarah's research expertise includes U.S. legal immigration processes, the employment-based immigration system, and unaccompanied child migrants. Welcome back to the broadcast, Sarah Pierce, and thank you for joining us on Very Short Notice today. Thank you for having me. Uh, This would seem to be a, uh, well, seem to be hugely good news for immigrant advocates, even if it remains only qualified uh, hugely good news. Uh, Your reaction first to today's 5-4 Supreme Court ruling.
2: Yeah, I think one of the reasons this is such good news is it's a surprise. No one expected uh, the Supreme Court to rule against the trump administration and how it went about ending daca so we were all extremely surprised by this this decision and 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 happy because this is a very large group of young people we're talking about in the united states that contribute a lot to our country and society and economy so it's it's good news all
1: around was there uh, a presumption that roberts i guess roberts was always seen as the swing vote in in this particular case was there a presumption then that he was not going to go along with the uh with the liberal appointees based on uh, his his previous uh, immigration-related opinions?
2: Yes. And, and, I mean, in general, courts are very deferential to the presidential administration when mm. it comes to immigration decisions. So that history, combined with the fact that this is a conservative-leaning court, led most of us to believe that they were going to rule in, in Trump's favor.
1: So as I understand the opinion, Roberts essentially is saying that the president— any president, I guess, has the right to kill the DACA program if they choose, but due to the Administrative Procedures Act, there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. What is the right way, and how did Trump, the uh, Trump administration do it the wrong way?
2: So the, the Administrative Procedures Act says that, that administrations, or, or agencies rather, can they have a great amount of discretion, but they need to exercise that discretion in a reasonable manner. So this gives courts the the opportunity to judge whether or not what they did was reasonable. And the court in this instance found two things that were unreasonable about how the Trump administration ended this program. Mm -hmm. First, they said that the Trump administration failed to consider the the reliance interests of the DACA recipients. These DACA recipients, live their lives in reliance on the fact that they would continue to have this lawful presence their lawful status in the united states and be able to continue to work legally they have bought houses they've had babies they've gotten married they've signed up for educational programs Mm -hmm. licenses etc all in the reliance that they'd be able to stay here and the trump administration never Seemed to consider their reliance interest when they decided to end the program hmm. the second issue is that you can actually separate daca benefits from the decision not to execute enforcement against this population and the trump administration when they were considering ending it never did that they found that daca benefits were illegal and as such they ended both the benefits mm-hmm. and the the protection against enforcement where really they could have separated those two and they never seemed to consider that or or weigh that at all and, and those were the two big problems that the court had with their decision
1: so in other words they have to sort of uh look at what are the ramifications of changing this policy if i'm if i'm understanding this correctly they have to determine what are the ramific- what the ramifications are and do they have to show demonstrate a benefit? Uh, the reason why we are changing this is due to this uh, benefit that will happen if we change the policy?
2: Right. They, so I think a proper, reasonable decision in the Supreme Court's mind would have weighed the DAC recipient's reliance interests mm-hmm. and, and weighed the possibility of just keeping in place the protection against enforcement and Ultimately, they could have arrived at the same decision they they did, which is just ending DACA wholesale. But they needed to show that they had weighed those possibilities and found that some other benefit outweighed them.
1: So mere ideology is not enough. We don't like uh, dreamers. We don't like immigrants. We're the president now, so we're going to end this. That, in and of itself, while that may be true, and I guess it could be true with any administration, that is not enough to change a policy, I guess, if I'm understanding it correctly. And I know that we've seen the uh, administration, uh, Administrative Procedures Act come into play in a number of other areas as well, where the uh, Trump administration has simply reversed an Obama-era uh, regulation, or rule, or policy on on something or or another, often regarding environmental regulations, uh, has that uh, APA also been found to have been violated in other areas of Trump's immigration policies, specifically? And because there have been a lot of them,
2: yeah, so many <laughs> that I'm I'm going to have trouble thinking of an example off the top of my head. But yes, uh-huh. we frequently go back to the APA when we're deciding whether or not the administration acted in a reasonable manner. And I think courts are increasingly having to lean on the APA as the power of presidential administrations grows in the immigration sphere mm-hmm. because Congress hasn't touched this issue in so long. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I should mention that, that that President Obama also got caught up on the APA. The DACA expansion mm-hmm. and DAPA, mm-hmm. which was um, deferred action for the parents of U.S. citizens, right. those were both caught up on an APA issue as well. So I think we're going to increasingly see the importance of the APA in future years if Congress continues to avoid immigration.
1: Yeah, or an effort to do away with the APA. Uh, Robert said that the uh, uh, DACA issue, and, and whether it's actually constitutional or not, could come back before the courts if the administration wants to try again. Is that even doable in the time between uh, well before the November election or would this be a longer process if they presuming they wish to do it correctly this time that would actually require him to be reelected before it could actually be uh, put into policy in other words how how quickly can this be done how quickly could they come out with a new policy that did meet the requirements of the APA.
2: Logistically speaking, I think they could they could just write a memo that would meet the Supreme Court's requirements. I think it would be a difficult memo to write. It would be very, very, very tricky to, to write it in a logical manner that made it look like you weren't just aiming for the end that you ultimately arrive at. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that they could just do that. But politically, I don't expect the administration to touch this issue because DACA is so popular. I think that there's a lot of the Republican base that that likes DAca and and the administration is going to need to not touch this before the election. If President Trump is reelected, mm-hmm. then maybe we would see the administration come back to this and just try to to end DACA for good.
1: Well, uh, w- one member of the uh, Republican base with whom DACA was popular, Is, in fact, Donald Trump himself. Uh, As uh, Washington Post notes, Trump has been sort of all over the place in his comments, usually tweets, regarding DACA and uh, those uh, that it protects. He once tweeted, quote, does anybody really want to throw out good, educated and accomplished young people who have jobs, some serving in the military? Really? But then last fall, he tweeted, Many of the people in DACA, no longer very young, are far from angels. Some are very tough, hardened criminals. Take your pick, Mr. President. Now, my understanding is that, in fact, if a, uh, a Dreamer is, in fact, found to be a criminal, hardened or otherwise, they can be deported, right? DACA does not protect, uh, protect uh, a Dreamer if they commit a crime. Am I correct about that?
2: That's right. There are certain... Minor crimes, a small number of minor crimes that that may be okay, but for the most part, a series of crimes or any serious crimes would result in um, mm-hmm. a, them revoking DACA mm-hmm. benefits, and then you would be eligible for
1: removal. And there are uh, the um, uh, proponents uh, of DACA argued also that there are some twenty thousand Dreamers currently working at uh, in the uh, in the healthcare profession and that uh, deporting them suddenly in the middle of a global pandemic may not be such a good idea. Uh, do you have any idea what Donald Trump's actual opinion is about DACA, since he you know, used to pretend that he did not want to deport DREAMers, even claiming that if the Supreme Court found it to be unconstitutional, he'd be more than happy to make a deal with Democrats to somehow protect them? Do we have any idea what his actual position is on uh, on daca sarah pierce
2: no i think we've got we've always gotten a lot of mixed messages on this not only from donald trump's statements but from his actions as well mm-hmm. he you know sat on the decision to end daca for a long time he was finally forced by a lawsuit out of texas to to ultimately issue that decision in september of 2017 ending daca but then once this litigation got going, we always knew that this litigation wasn't about the power of the president to end DACA. We all know that he has the power to end it. It was about whether or not they did so properly. So they could have ended this discussion a long time ago by, by just going through you know, the highest procedures they could notice and comment to end DACA back in January of 2018 when this litigation first started. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that. They've instead just sat on it and let the litigation go. So, you know, we have those mixed messages. There's also the fact that both the Senate and the House t- took time to seriously consider passing legislation on DREAMers or, or specifically also DACA recipients to hold these benefits in place. And the White House really torpedoed that both times by adding a bunch of demands that were just unsuitable for Democrats mm-hmm. to take on. So you know, we we have them you know moving one step forward clearly with the interests of DACA recipients in mind, and then taking two steps back. They're all over the place.
1: Now, if Donald Trump is not el- uh, reelected in November, and uh, presuming Biden is elected instead, uh, would uh, pr- presumably at that point the the program just continues on as is? Is that the way that works with with an executive order like that? And uh, I guess the other part of that question is, well, what should what happens to the dreamer uh, kids now? Is it safe for them? Can they can they breathe easy at well at least for a few minutes here?
2: Right. Yeah, I would definitely breathe easy until the election. If if President Trump is reelected, I do think that they will try to end DACA again. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least gives them a little bit of time to to ease up on the anxiety. If Joe Biden is elected, he won't have to do anything to keep the DACA program in place. It'll just stay in place, Mm -hmm. um, assuming the president doesn't touch it again before leaving office. Um, And then, yeah, Biden would have some interesting questions on his hands. Does is it possible for Congress to finally come to an agreement on DREAMers, which they've been trying to do for nearly two decades now? Or does he need to look at administrative options, not only to keep DACA in place, but also to potentially expand it?
1: And that's the, uh, I guess that's the real fix for this issue, is the Congress needs to take action. But after four years of the Trump administration... And after eight years uh, during which the Obama administration was not able to get Congress to act, um, do you have any reason to believe, Sarah Pierce, that we are any closer to a permanent fix to the to the problem, either before uh, the Supreme Court decision on Thursday or, or now that it has been made?
2: Unfortunately, no. If, if the Supreme Court had ruled that the president properly ended DACA and thus its, its demise was imminent, then... That might that, you know, most desperate of situations might have pushed Congress to finally come to, to an agreement on mm-hmm. this. But without that pressure, I don't expect Congress to come to an agreement, especially this close to an election. So um, for, unfortunately, I'm not very optimistic about the, the outcome for dreamers in Congress right now.
1: I don't think anyone is, but uh, we'll, we will cling to your uh, notion that uh, the Dreamers can, at least for the moment, breathe a little bit easier today. That's good news. Uh, Sarah Pierce, policy analyst migration po- at the uh, Migration Policy Institute. You can find them at migrationpolicy.org. You can follow them on the Twitters at Migration Policy. And you can find uh, Sarah on the Twitters at Sarah Pierce e sarah really appreciates joining us again today once again on short notice and i suspect we will be uh bothering you again perhaps on similarly short notice in the future thanks in advance
2: yeah anytime
1: <laughs> okay um A couple of uh, points here. Uh, Barack Obama, for his part, had a response to the Supreme Court's ruling today. He said on Twitter, Eight years ago this week, we protected young people who were raised as part of our American family from deportation. Today, I'm happy for them, their families, and all of us. He said, We may look different and come from everywhere, but what makes us American are our shared ideals. And now to stand up for those ideals, we have to move forward and elect Joe Biden and a Democratic Congress that does its job, protects dreamers and finally creates a system that's truly worthy of this nation of immigrants once and for all. That was Barack Obama in response to the uh, opinion today, the surprise opinion, I guess, from the U.S. Supreme Court. One of our... uh, champion Supreme Court correspondence here on the broadcast is, of course, Slate's great legal reporter, Mark Joseph Stern, who apparently, even though it's, uh, Desi, it's like a World Series worth of Super Bowls this week. <laughs> yes. Uh, with the uh, court's various rulings. Uh, he's actually moving this week, so he's unable to join us. But he did, of course, write about Thursday's ruling and uh, clarifies An important legal aspect uh, from this decision, particularly for those out there wondering if John Roberts has suddenly turned into uh, (laughs) a squish. Suddenly he's a liberal. He's a progressive. Yeah, Yeah. I know. Yeah, there's a bunch of folks on the right are pretending exactly that today. But no, it ain't true. Uh, As Mark writes at Slate today, the court's five to four ruling is a resounding humanitarian victory. But Chief Justice John Roberts did not save DACA because his heart bleeds for young immigrants who faced banishment to a foreign country. He saved DACA because the Trump administration bungled every step of its attempted repeal, hoping the courts would ignore its sloppy, dishonest corner-cutting. Four conservative justices were happy to do just that, but Roberts, uh, his refusal to rubber-stamp Trump's botched rescission just ensure that more than 700,000 Dreamers can remain in the only country they have ever known as home, at least until the Trump administration gets its act together and attempts a do-over. The program allows individuals brought to the U.S. illegally as children to indefinitely defer their deportation. DACA beneficiaries also receive a work permit as well as Social Security and Medicare benefits. A president can repeal his predecessor's executive actions as long as he follows the rules. And this is where uh, Donald Trump, as usual, did not bother to follow the rules. In September of 2017, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced that the Trump administration would begin to wind down DACA, stripping dreamers of their status as, quote, lawfully present. Mark writes, Sessions didn't know it, but on that day, he laid the groundwork for uh, the ruling. The attorney general asked then acting secretary of Homeland Security uh, Elaine Duke to rescind DACA because he claimed it is illegal. Duke then issued a brief uh, a brief justification for the DACA repeal. Her memo explained The reasons for this repeal was that the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals had found that a similar but more expansive program that would be DAPA that you heard uh, Sarah Pierce refer to there, uh, that that was unlawful. DAPA would have protected the undocumented parents of citizens and lawful permanent residents. Taking into consideration the Fifth Circuit's decision alongside Sessions' own position, Duke wrote, DACA should be terminated. The Department of Homeland Security then began winding down the program. Well, according to Sessions, DACA is illegal because it, quote, has the same legal defects that the court recognized as to DAPA. But. Stern notes the Fifth Circuit Court found that only half of DAPA actually crossed the legal line. It's extension of government benefits. The court did not say that the other half of DAPA deferred deportation or forbearance was illegal. But Duke treated both halves as an inseparable whole, never even considering the possibility of ending government benefits for DREAMers while continuing to defer their deportation, which was not a problem when the Fifth Circuit took a look at DAPA. Uh, Roberts wrote removing benefits eligibility while continuing forbearance remained squarely within Duke's discretion. So she had no obligation. uh, She had an obligation to explain why she rejected that as an option and failing to do so. Duke acted in a, quote, arbitrary and capricious manner in violation of the Administrative Procedures Act. Does that make sense? So she did. So the, the only reason they did this, essentially, the only reason they gave is that, well, the court found the other program, the other similar program to be unlawful. And therefore, this must be unlawful too. But in fact, the court did not find the other program unlawful. Right. It only found half, half of it unlawful. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. So, without explaining why they were doing it, by just being sloppy in their work, they yep. they failed to get done what they wanted to get done.
1: As you, uh, this administration is sloppy in everything it does. Yes, that is what it is known for. That's what it's famous for. Yay. Stern notes, uh, however, that it gets worse. Duke, the chief justice noted, never asked if there was legitimate reliance on DACA. Sarah Pierce referred to this as well. So uh, this is uh, what is reliance specifically? Well, when an executive agency changes course by changing the rules, it must ask how its new rule is going to affect those who relied on the old one. And here the reliance interests Mark says, are powerful. DACA allowed more than 700,000 people to live and work legally in the U.S. As Roberts noted, the program's recipients have, quote, enrolled in degree programs, embarked on careers, started businesses, purchased homes, even married and had children. And that abruptly revoking Dreamers' work permits could, quote, result in the loss of two hundred and fifteen billion dollars in economic activity in the U.S. and an associated 60 billion in federal tax revenue over the next 10 years. Now, in light of those consequences, Duke could have, quote, considered more accommodating termination dates for recipients who were caught in the middle of, this t- of, of time-bounded commitments to allow them, for example, to graduate from their course of study first or to complete their military service. Yes, a lot of these people are members of the military, and they would be yanked out of the military and sent away to another country where they've never lived. They don't even know the language.
0: I would think banks would be upset about people defaulting on mortgages because they've been deported. Oh, no, they got to go.
1: Or even finish, by the way, a medical treatment regimen, the uh, chief justice noted. So none of that, none of that reliance on the old program was taken into consideration here. Duke did none of it. She simply ignored the weighty costs to real people and to the nation at large. And by doing so, Roberts held she acted arbitrarily and capricious. Roberts' opinion, he notes, is strikingly similar to his decision last year. You remember at the uh, end of the session uh, last year in June when Roberts was the one who wrote the opinion that blocked the census citizenship question. Ah, uh, yes. In in that case and in this one, Mark says Trump, uh, uh, the Trump administration cut corners in a mad dash to enact the new policy. In each case, it it provided dubious, flimsy and outright dishonest reasons for its actions. In each case, it hoped the Supreme Court's conservatives would disregard its ineptitude and mendacity and serve as a rubber stamp. And in each case, Roberts refused to play along. The chief justice is not a closet liberal, says Mark, but he is a stickler for the rules and he's not willing to let Trump bend those rules at a minimum without a more plausible pretext. And that's exactly what he did with the, uh, uh, the, the uh, census, the census uh, yes. decision. He basically said, what you've told us is a pretext. You, went, you made the decision and then you went back and made stuff up to justify it. You can't do that. And they did the same thing here as well. Um, they they went back after they had already made this decision, after they had already announced the policy. Some months later, they went back and came up with all new reasons why they made the decision. Uh, you can't do that. He notes that Thursday's decision is narrow. It allows the Trump administration to attempt a do-over to start from the beginning and repeal DACA legally. Right wingers, of course, are freaking out today. Uh, Trump describes it as a shotgun blast to the face. The court, uh, the, the the other four right wingers on the court, believe that uh, it's a, just a wild overreach what uh, what Roberts did. But it isn't. Stern argues it is it is a careful, circumscribed ruling that gives Trump still the power to end DACA if his administration can figure out how to do it legally. There, there's little doubt, he writes, that if the president wins a second term, he will rescind DACA and he will do it the right way, once again putting dreamers in the crosshairs. But for today, at least, they can breathe a little bit easier anyway, and uh, the rest of us can help them. By fighting like hell for a legitimate election this November. Back to that fight, sort of, right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast.
0: What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com/donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. Dream dream
1: dream dream dream, dream. Yeah. Dream, dream, Welcome back. Dream. It's the broadcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. This just in uh, over the break there, a statement from Congresswoman uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York on the DACA ruling. She says, Today is undoubtedly a victory, and I salute the tireless advocates who brought us to this moment. Dreamers have been given at least a temporary reprieve from the fear of deportation and the loss of their livelihoods, but the Supreme Court's decision did not provide DREAMers with the full measure of security they deserve. DREAMers should never be ripped from their communities and from the only country they've ever known. This is not a partisan issue, she writes. Americans across party lines agree that DREAMers should be allowed to live and work in this country. The Trump administration must stop acting as a roadblock and allow the Senate and the House to pass legislation that will protect DREAMers permanently. And uh, Sarah Pierce also referenced that, that they keep coming up with deals and then... The Trump administration throws poison pills in there in order to uh, block them. Just kill
0: the whole thing.
1: Dreamers uh, and our immigrant communities have been on the front line during the pandemic, writes AOC. Yet they continue to be treated with unprecedented hostility by the Trump administration. Uh, And that's uh, quite literal. As I mentioned, uh, some 20,000 dreamers now work in the healthcare industry as doctors and nurses and medical technicians and so forth. Why would you even consider ripping them out of those communities in the middle of a global pandemic? You would have to be an idiot to do that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, AOC concludes here. um, Immigrants are our colleagues, neighbors and friends. Their home is here. Well, given how many mulligans that the Supreme Court uh, is making clear that Trump is going to need to do to actually pull off so much of his botched agenda, it's clear that he's uh, really, really going to need a second term to do it. Given that he was impeached, uh, what he was impeached for last year, secretly attempting to extort Ukraine's president to announce phony dirt on Joe Biden, Before he would agree to hand over hundreds of millions in uh, congressionally allocated foreign aid. Well, it has been clear for a very long time that Donald Trump at this point will do anything, anything, whether it is lawful or not, to win that second term by hook or by crook. As it turns out, it's mostly by crook, (laughs) as NBC News reports and as uh, Democrats had warned over and over again during Trump's fixed impeachment trial in the US Senate on you know unlawfully using the power of the presidency and US taxpayer dollars to to do it to extort foreign nations to help him win re-election was not confined only to the Ukraine scheme. President Donald Trump asked President Chinese President Xi Jinping to agree to trade policies that would help with his re-election in November. Echoing the charges that led to his impeachment, that according to the explosive new book by former National Security Advisor John Bolton, in which he describes his former boss as employing, quote, obstruction of justice as a way of life, unquote. Now, that sounds like my Trump. (laughs) Bolton writes uh, that in a face to face discussion with G., The president specifically asked Xi to increase the amount of soybeans and wheat that China buys from the U.S. because it is important to the Midwestern voters who helped Trump win in 2016. If Xi agreed, Trump said he would then lift the tariffs that he had enacted against China, according to Bolton. So this is exactly, precisely What House impeachment manager, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, had spent hours and hours fruitlessly explaining in the U.S. Senate during the trial uh, to the corrupt Senate Republicans who were sitting there hearing this, listening to this, knowing it would happen. And, And Schiff was arguing it was not just likely to happen, but that it would happen. If Trump was not held accountable for what he was caught doing in Ukraine, and of course, because John Bolton wanted to sell books instead of actually helping his nation, he refused to testify during impeachment hearings in the House and then said, well, okay, I'll testify in the U.S. Senate if I'm subpoenaed knowing that the Republicans did not want to subpoena him. And in fact, the Republican senators there specifically voted against subpoenaing John Bolton during that trial. They knew that Trump was corrupt and they didn't care. They didn't want the rest of the American people to know that Trump was corrupt, which, of course, makes them corrupt as well. I should add, with the noteworthy exception here of Mitt Romney, Uh, In a nod to the contentious review process that Bolton underwent before publishing the book, one that the Justice Department contends he failed to complete, Bolton writes, quote, I would print Trump's exact words to she, but the government's pre-publication review process has decided otherwise. So uh, he he had to take out the actual quote, the actual words that Trump spoke to the Chinese president in trying to extort the Chinese president to uh, help out farmers in the Midwest in exchange for lifting sanctions that this country has. Not this political party, not the Republican Party, not the Trump campaign, but the nation has against China for good or bad. It's a policy. It's not a weapon to win an election. Bolton's much-anticipated book, uh, which uh, NBC uh, obtained a copy of, uh, paints in uh, copious detail a devastating portrait of an erratic, ill-informed president who sees the Justice Department as his personal tool, prioritizes his own interests above all else, including the country, and myopically processes... Every decision through the lens of how it might affect his reelection chances. Well, tell me something we didn't know, John Bolton. The Justice Department has filed a lawsuit trying to delay the publication of the book. And on Wednesday night, just after we got off air, the Justice Department filed an emergency application for a temporary restraining order and a motion for an injunction to prevent the publication of the book in advance, which I don't believe any court in the U.S. has ever allowed. Uh, This is, by the way, a book that has already been published. It's already shipped to the distribution centers. It's been given to members of the media like NBC and others. It will be available in the public's hands as of Tuesday. But this is what Donald Trump is. Well, actually, this is not what Donald Trump is doing. This is what Donald Trump is using his Department of Justice as a political tool, a political weapon to do. It's the Department of Justice that is filing that suit. It is not even Donald Trump personally. He's been busy working on his lawsuit against his niece, who has her own book coming out at the end of July.
0: Oh, that's right. And he'll,
1: I guess, have to sue her personally unless he can figure out some way to... uh, Convince uh, Bill Barr to have the sick the Justice Department on her as well, his own niece, and somehow pretend that writing a book about Donald Trump is now a crime, the way he's doing with John Bolton. On Thursday morning, Trump admitted everything in the book is 100 percent true by tweeting that uh, the Bolton book is, quote, made up of lies and fake stories. (laughs) He called his former advisor a disgruntled, boring fool and a dope, which is good enough for me. That's confirmation. John. Listen, John Bolton has worked for four different Republican presidents. He can be and has been called a whole lot of terrible things, including by me. Uh, He can be called a warmonger, a right wing zealot, a longtime Fox News contributor. A Republican, But when it comes to comparing records of who is a bigger liar, well, you know, Trump wins that one hands down, baby. There is no contest. A few other fun points from the book so you don't have to buy it. Please don't. Please don't reward John Bolton for his lack of patriotism. Uh, John Bolton writes that uh, Trump did not seem to know that the U.K. is a nuclear power even after more than a year in office. Donald Trump wondered whether Finland was part of Russia. Oh, dear. Is it? Is it part of Russia? No. Uh, he, uh, he quotes Donald Trump. That's why Trump. it's called Finland. Oh, okay. My confusion. Uh, he quotes Donald Trump musing that journalists who refuse to reveal their sources, quote, should be executed. Executed. They should be killed. He recalls uh, Trump telling uh, the Chinese president again that he supported Beijing's construction of quote concentration camps to detain the Uyghurs, which is a group of uh, Muslims living in China. Donald Trump is in favor of that. He's in favor of concentration camps, apparently. Bolton writes that even Secretary this is, the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo with whom Bolton uh, has, uh, had clashed during his time in the White House. Pompeo slipped Bolton a note during one of Trump's meetings with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, saying that Donald Trump was, quote, so full of blank. Even Mike Pompeo knows that Donald Trump is full of blank. Bolton did an interview with ABC News' Martha Raddatz. That's scheduled to run in full on Sunday. They released a few clips from that today.
0: You described the president as erratic, foolish, behaved irrationally, bizarrely. You can't leave him alone for a minute. He saw conspiracies behind rocks and was stunningly uninformed. He couldn't tell the difference between his personal interests and the country's interests. I don't think he's fit for office. I I don't think he has the competence to carry out the job. There really isn't any guiding principle uh, that I was able to discern other than uh, what's good for Donald Trump's re-election. You say that you were astonished by what you saw. a President for whom getting re-elected was the only thing that mattered, even if it meant endangering or weakening the nation? Well, I think he was so focused on the re-election Uh, that uh, longer-term considerations uh, fell by the wayside. So if he thought he could get a photo opportunity with Kim Jong-un at the demilitarized zone in Korea, there was considerable emphasis on the photo opportunity and the press reaction to it, uh, and little or no focus on what such meetings did for the bargaining position of the United States.
1: So that was just a clip uh, from ABC News' uh, Martha Rennett's interview with uh, John Bolton, set for uh, for Sunday. Uh, and, and the thing about this is, everything that Bolton is coming out with is, A, infuriating, because it would have been very useful to uh, hear when the president was actually on trial and he actually could have been removed from office if he was so inept and dangerous, as John Bolton suggests. Um, So it's A, infuriating, and B, Completely believable from top to bottom
0: Oh, indeed it is
1: Nothing nothing about it sounds out of line It sounds completely in line with everything we already know about this guy
0: Absolutely and, and you know, one thing specifically about the Trump administration The Department of Justice trying to stop publication Because they say it's got classified information Several intelligence security, national security people that I follow on Twitter mm-hmm. Have all said, look, you cannot, uh, you cannot use this kind of prior restraint for Trump, right. to, he first has to admit that Bolton is telling the truth if he wishes to pursue this as classified information. There's no such thing as, they say, as a classified lie. <laughs> so,
1: so, so it can he, be one or the right. other. He
0: cannot both be fake and lying and also be classified. So if he's
1: making up all of these quotes, there's nothing for him to uh, stop because that wouldn't be classified.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah, well, you know, logic, reason, common sense—these have never been strong suits for Donald <laughs> Trump. So why start now?
0: Well, it's funny that it's, they're bringing the DOJ into making these uh, these contradictory arguments. Funny
1: or pathetic, and scary, and horrible, and awful, and just another reason why this uh, clown needs to be removed from office before he damages this country even more than he already has, if that is possible. And yes, clearly that is possible.
0: And Republicans too for being complicit. In all of this.
1: Once Bolton uh, writes, uh, when John Kelly, uh, who was uh, then the uh, chief of staff at the White House, when he was uh, deciding whether to resign or not, which he eventually did, um, John Kelly said, what if we have a real crisis like 9-11 with the way he makes decisions? He was talking about, you know, if I'm not here, what will happen then? Well, I guess we have seen now how that worked out. We do have a real crisis, one that Donald Trump did not create, a real one, one that has so far killed more than 120,000 Americans, dwarfing, dwarfing the 9-11 attacks, although we're sure not acting like that's the case. And Donald Trump is not doing a damn thing other than trying to figure out how to get reelected. No matter how many people have to die for him to do so. So, yes, he's holding a campaign rally with thousands of supporters set to create a super spreader event on Saturday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is seeing a record rate of infections itself in Tulsa and in the state of Oklahoma and it's uh, the public health director in uh, in Tulsa is essentially begging the president to call off the event but the president does not care because all he cares about is re-election on a broadcast earlier in the week i had suggested that what trump has been doing along with these republican governors across the country who have you know been playing along and opening up their states for business even though they know it will kill people and uh, they are seeing, you know, predictably the virus is spreading like wildfire in these places, leading to record increases in cases and in hospitalizations. I s- suggested that that is akin to mass murder. Well, apparently I am not the only way, uh, the only one who feels that way, who feels similarly in an interview posted by now this news, Dr. Jonathan Rayner, a cardiologist, for get this for former Vice President Dick Cheney. Well, he doesn't call it mass murder. He comes pretty close. And he sounds a hell of a lot like John Bolton. And again, that reference to anything for a photo op uh, in his criticism of Trump's insistence on holding a rally in Tulsa during a pandemic. What he's doing in Tulsa is criminal endangerment. He's intentionally exposing people to uh, the risk of acquiring a deadly virus just for a photo op. The president needs a lot of people. He wants the photo op and he's and he doesn't really care what happens to the people who attend his rally. I'm begging the people in Tulsa, don't go to this. Watch it on television. Watch the president on television. You'll be safe at home. Do not go. Do not go. The warning from Dick Cheney's uh, heart surgeon. I guess Dick Cheney has a heart. Because that's his doctor uh, warning people that it would be criminal endangerment to hold this rally on Saturday. Well, why would that stop Donald Trump? Quick break, and we are back with more. Uh, speaking of criminal endangerment, uh, Desi Doyne in the Green News Report. <laughs> no, this uh, report about PG&E uh, is really incredible. That's right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the broadcast. Bradcast. <laughs> Well, out here in California, apparently, criminal endangerment is perfectly legal. You can uh, kill anyone you like, as long as you're a corporation. As we discuss in our latest Green News Report.
0: A major wildfire continues to burn just north of the valley. So far, it has scorched more than 89,000 acres. 2020 wildfire season lights up with an ominous start.
2: All 85 felony counts were read at length, including
0: the names of those killed because of the campfire. California utility PG&E pleads guilty to manslaughter. We can hit 90% renewable electricity by 2035 and save money. Plus,
1: this is a once in a generation opportunity.
0: New Jersey governor vows to make state the nation's offshore wind industry
1: hub. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis and snarky comment. As we restart from the pandemic, I do not want to see our state simply get back to where we were before covid Nineteen. I hear you, Governor. I've been to New Jersey. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, totally unfair New Jersey slam. <laughs> I love New Jersey. I've spent a lot of time in New Jersey. I've gone camping and canoeing many times in New Jersey. It's beautiful. It is not a toilet at all. What sort of stories do you have for us today?
0: (laughs) Well, first up, the 2020 fire season is off to an ominous start. In Arizona, the wind-driven bushfire in the Tonto National Forest, northeast of Phoenix, has explosively grown to more than 100 square miles. As we go to air, it is the seventh largest fire in the state's history. Evacuations have been complicated by a surge in coronavirus infections in the state, Mm. straining emergency response capacity. About 2,000 people, it looks like, have. Have been forced to evacuate.
1: So it's an issue in these shelters if they set them up. How yep. they're going to social distance and this is Arizona where the COVID crisis is blowing up.
0: Indeed. In California, the National Interagency Fire Center is forecasting above-average danger for the state after its mountain snowpack melted a month early. Fires have killed hundreds of people in California just since 2017. This week, bankrupt utility giant PG&E pleaded guilty to 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and an 85th count of illegally causing a fire for its role in igniting the devastating campfire that obliterated the town of Paradise, California, in November 2018, the deadliest fire in state history. PG&E admitted in court that the fire was caused by its failure to maintain its equipment in what Bloomberg News calls the deadliest corporate crime in U.S. history.
1: Has anyone gone to jail yet? No. Will anybody go to jail? No. No. If I committed 85 counts of manslaughter, do you suppose I would go to jail? Yes. Man, corporate personhood is nice, ain't it?
0: But some good news. The U.S. Senate this week passed legislation to finally permanently fund the Land and Water Conservation Fund, one of the nation's oldest conservation programs. The House is expected to pass it as well. The bill provides crucial federal funding to protect land from development and preserve natural and cultural resources, along with billions to address maintenance backlogs, the national park system democratic senator john tester who led the effort to secure permanent funding was ecstatic
1: so we can have the best conservation tool available to the great state of montana which is the land and water conservation fund and make some serious investments in yellowstone and glacier and other national parks around this country this is a great day tally ho Well, it is a great day, but how did Republicans accidentally let that pass through the Senate?
0: Because it helps vulnerable Republicans who are up for re-election. Oh,
1: I see. They need all the help they can get at this point, I guess.
0: And yes, it is a big deal that the funding is finally permanent. However, it comes from offshore drilling revenues, which could create a perverse incentive to Mm. maintain offshore drilling as the nation shifts away from fossil fuels.
1: Ah, every Republican has a big butt.
0: A new study finds that the U.S. Can reach 90% Renewable electricity By 2035 Just 15 years from now Researchers at UC Berkeley Found that a nationwide push To transition to carbon-free electricity Would create hundreds of thousands of jobs Each year Because it would require Upgrading the entire system Building lots of new wind and solar projects New transmission lines and grid capacity And electrifying buildings and transportation And they found it would cost less Than our current system And bonus would prevent as many as 85,000 deaths from air pollution.
1: Now, if we could just fund it by profits from oil pipelines, I'm sure the Republicans will be all in favor.
0: And New Jersey this week unveiled a huge plan for renewable energy. On Wednesday, Democratic Governor Phil Murphy unveiled a $300 million proposal to help New Jersey's long-term economic recovery by creating the nation's first offshore wind industry hub.
1: Eventually, the wind port will house multiple factories, creating thousands of jobs where the parts for offshore wind turbines will be built, as well as the staging areas to move them directly from the port to the offshore wind farms that are going to rise not just off our coastline, but up and down the Atlantic seaboard. Very cool. Once again, my apologies to the people of New Jersey. (laughs) For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle, And this has been your Green News Report. My city of ruins. My city of ruins. Thank you, boss. Thank you, Desi Doyen.
0: Completely gratuitous New Jersey slam. Yeah,
1: it's the least I can do. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much to our producer, Desi Doyen. To my guest today, Sarah Pierce of the Migration Policy Institute. And to all of you. For spending a portion of your day or night with us, it is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free. Share it with your friends, families, and uh, enemies at bradblog.com. While you're there, please do consider supporting the work work that we do here by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. We are 100% supported by, yes, listeners like you. Uh, if you like, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I'd love to hear from you, and you may hear back from me. That may or may not be an incentive to write. I don't <laughs> know. And you can find, follow, and share all that we do on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the TheBradBlog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Oh,